to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep. We got nightmares and they got fantasies. No sanity, it's just insanity. My mommy hoping nothing happens to me. Cool. So, how do we always start these things? I don't know why you're always asking that question. Right. <laughs> You've been here the whole time, so <laughs> we don't know. No, because I always would be like, you know, what's a better way how to debut it? But then it's like, you know, what's better to get, you know, just getting right into it. Right. So, welcome to another episode of Everything Cool, right here on the Original People Network. I am yours truly, Lord Jalen Willett, the Negus of Nassau, St. Anton Alexander. And, you know, we have our usual suspects in the back, you know, the after party or the background party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't need to be named. We just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then, you know, we have another great guest on our show again. Um, please introduce yourself. My name is Lincoln Bain. And that's weird. Lincoln right. Bain. No that's title. For those who of you who don't know Mr. Bain over here, he's been... What did you, would you say, an active member of society for the last 20 years? Yeah, if, 20 years. Active member, active community activist. Right. So much different things, because I've seen you in so many different forms over the years. So, Mr. Ben, typically on this show, we have a segment called the Bayman Word, Phrase, or Saying of the Day. Right. Did we end up getting a secondary uh, phrase from yeah, Therese? We yeah, because we got, we got um, chakrated up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, <laughs> whatever comes to mind as it pertains right. to the Bahamian word phrase is saying. It could be appropriate. It could be uh, relative to what we've been dealing with this entire year or what you've been dealing with recently. Yeah. You know thing. Mm. Mm, I like that. You know thing. So far, international audience, tell us what that really means. You know thing is kind of like uh, what the Jamaicans say: just cool. Real. Just you cool. Know, everything, On everything cool. Everything On. cool is what Bahamians say. <laughs> <laughs> you know thing. I mean, that, nothing is impossible. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. You know thing. Right. That's good. That's good. Small things. Straight like that. So let's just jump into it. So tell me. Because um, I really, and we had this conversation a few years ago, like, you know, me finding out now that you're a pastor, and it was like, wait, hold on, but I thought you was this, and then you was this. So tell us how, like, you know, how did you get your start, and what's your early, like, inspirations and beginnings and introduction into becoming who you are today? Boy, for us to do that, we can need more than just an hour show. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, okay, give I've, us the. I've lived, can... I've lived, I've lived ten lifetimes wow. uh, in this. In this, so we need to make life. this a ten-part series. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I am, I am. I just turned forty-four a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations! Okay. Uh, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you, thank you. It was a pleasure. Didn't know I would live that long. Yes, sir. But you're here. I've been doing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've lived ten lifetimes. Um. Since I was very young, I, I got into to entertainment. I joined my school's choir that became very famous and 
and we went all the way to Disney World and performed there with Mickey, et cetera, and then we went um, and performed, you know, in Australia. You know, so so before there was Obama's National Choir, there was us. And, mm. and so we traveled the world, and that, that caused me to see the world in a different way. Um, in order to, to be able to fund these trips, it, it caught, we had to raise money. You know, our parents didn't make any money back then. So like $50 a week, you know, was the norm. We didn't have a minimum wage back then. That's in the 80s. Mm. Wait, hold on. You, in the 80s, we didn't have a minimum wage? No, we didn't. Oh, wow. wow. That's so, interesting. We got minimum wage in the 90s. Right. So oh. what was the climate back then specifically for that? For what? For for what wages would have been? There was no climate. You just were satisfied with what you got. Wow. You got a job. You had a job back in the 80s. You know, there, there, was a, there was a big uh, a drug culture also okay. back in the 80s. So people had, you know, there were people who had money, but then there was a lot of people who were on salaries that didn't. Mm. And so I remember when they told us we could go to Australia to perform at this major event, and they told us we'd have to find $2,000 per student. Wow. And that was the same as telling us we got to find... A, a million dollars. Yeah. Because yeah. right? 2000 per student is, is expensive still today. today yeah. You know, and so we needed to find $70,000. That's like telling us to find $7 million. It's like, <laughs> this is equally as impossible. And they started doing little cake sales and that kind of stuff. And we realized cake sales ain't going to do it. No. You know? <laughs> we no. got to sell a lot of cake. Yes, yeah. You know? Back in them days, you know, 25 cent, 50, 50 cent uh, uh, cake to, mm. to, to make that money. And so, and so our music teacher said something that changed my life. And, mm. and it really shaped a, a lot of what I am today. He said, he said, your gift will make room for you. Mm. He wasn't necessarily the Christian type or the preachy type, but he said, your gifts will make room for you. He said, we're not cooks, all right? Mm. We're not bakers. We shouldn't be selling our chicken dinners right. or, and, and, and cake. Yeah. He said, we're singers. Let's go sing and make this money. And we started to sing all over Nassau for everyone. We would sing at McDonald's. We would sing in Life at Key, and people would just pay us for singing for them. And, and I mean, in the end, we didn't make $70,000, but we actually made $90,000. Wow. Uh, really more like 100. And we were able to not only pay for all of our tickets, we were able to pay for all of the chaperones who were coming and we were able to get shopping money for every person. Mm. Wow. And so that taught me a life lesson. And that, that changed my perspective where I, I, I never believed that anything is impossible. Never. And I always, whatever uh, um, the dream is, I don't start it with money. I started with whatever it is that we want to do. And so that's how my life changed. And so I, I was in the music industry for a very long time, uh, going into high school, you know, and everything I did. I joined at 17. I joined a group called Vision. We traveled all around the world. Hold on. You was a part. So you was a, um, that was hmm. Miles Monroe's group. What, no, no. We, we, we redid one of his songs. Okay, okay. He had a group called the Visionaires that okay. did a song mm. called Brand New World. Okay. We were called Vision and we redid his song, okay. Okay. you know, in, in a modern way. And so, and we ended up traveling with him. He just liked what we did with the song. And so we traveled with him too. But we traveled all around the world. We were on, you know, the A, the a rotation in many countries. I mean, we were doing better than Kirk Franklin and Mary Mary, mm. you know, in, 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 some, in some places. We would go to some countries and they would be singing along with our songs. We'd be like, we've right. never been here. How do they know our songs? We never mm. even sent our CD here. Right. How do they know? And so it, it was an amazing experience to be doing that. So... So technically, I was in ministry for a long time, and mm. a lot of people didn't know that. Yeah. So when I became a pastor, it was like, well, how you get to... <laughs> yeah, um, right, but and, you had the connection for a while already. Yes, yeah, so I was doing it, and I never stopped doing it, because singing was my real love. Mm. That's the thing I really love. I would have dropped everything for that. I was on the police force, so at 18, I joined the police force, and became a police officer. I loved it. You know, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, loved it. Um, but I realized that it was just a job. Mm. I met a man who was 
a, a multimillionaire on Paradise Island. He was, he was a white man, and he, he changed my thinking. In four days, we started to talk. I was working on PI as a police, and he would come out to the dock. There was a ferry dock over there, and we would just talk. And he loved talking to me. I learned so much from him. And he said, Lincoln, you are not a police officer. Like, what you talking about? Right. Look, look at me. I'm a police. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you're not a police officer. He said, you need to go and find out what you really are. You know, and, and he, he changed my thinking. You know, he, he, he told me that, you know, a job is for experience, not for life. Mm-hmm. And I've been preaching that ever since. A job is not for, a job is for experience, not for life. You know, but some of us treat jobs as a life sentence. Right. You know, until we get parole and then we die. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, and he changed my life. He caused me to decide to go away and go to school to study computer science, which is what mm. I did in, in 2000. All right. And um, I went away to school. And I just got in. I mean, it was miraculous how I got in. My same music teacher that took me around the world just ran into me. And he was like, now I'm a professor at this university in the States. Why don't you come to school? Wow. And I was wow. like, man. He's like, listen, you're going to just get in. Just call them and tell them I told you to call. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was right. He, I called and I said, well, Dr. Robinson told me to call. He said, oh, it's Lincoln. Okay, you're in. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Connection. <laughs> like no entrance exam, no, right. no, 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 no the, you're in. Yes. <laughs> and and that, that changed my life. Two years after going to school, like Jim Stevens, the guy, the rich guy that I spoke to, he told me, he called me and, and he said, Lincoln, how's school going? I said, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm on the dean's list, the president's list. I'm doing, I'm marching this thing up. I'm going to be good. Because the dream was to go and work for him in the States because he had this big, you know, computer industry business. And he's like, this is a dream. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he said, Lincoln, um, do you, he said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to come and work for you. He's yeah. like, no. He's like, um, when you finish with your degree, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'm going to come and work for you. <laughs> He's like, what is a degree for? Uh, and I was like, well, to qualify. He's like, no. He said, a degree is to show, to give to someone so that you can say that you qualify to work for them. He said, do you want to be giving the degrees or receiving the degrees? I was like, receiving the degrees? <laughs> he was like, you realize you can do that now, right? It hit, it hit me. Mm. After two years, <laughs> after freeing me from the police force, he said, you can do this now. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And he yeah. literally dropped out of computer science school and went into business. And mm. business was really good to me. I mean, God really blessed me and, and, and business exploded. I mean, we, we did so well. I mean, for, for a young person in my early 20s, I couldn't even imagine that I would have that kind of success being able to, to go to China and not go to the shop, but to be a manufacturer. Right. You know? oh, wow. And to, to be manufacturing things. And, and, and we, we did extremely well. We started opening business all over the region, not just in the Bahamas. Like, you know what, let's, let's go to Barbados and open something. <laughs> and, you know, we would just say crazy stuff and then just go do it. Right. And, um, you know, Jim Stevens changed my life, you know, when he, when he taught me different. You know, and he said, for every successful person or business you see there was someone who had to take a monumental risk that right. would, would make them or break them that would make them or totally destroy them he mm. said until you get to that crossroad you ain't reach yet and he said when you get to that crossroad jump whatever it is mm. and that changed my life and it changed my perspective so i grew up knowing that nothing is impossible and my gift was gonna give me whatever i need and then I learned to, to jump out of the, the slave ship and come out of Egypt and, and go towards the promised land. And nothing is impossible. So in between all of that, <laughs> in between all of that, mm-hmm. 
I started this thing called uh, Controversy TV. All right, mm, are you, you he getting to all the points without me even. Yeah, getting yeah, it. yeah. He, he's self, he's self, he's self transitioning. Yeah. All right, so because obviously I think that's um, between that and what, what's your old radio sh- station show? It was called. I had a couple of them. I had the New Nation first, and then yeah, I had the new, Real Talk Reloaded. Yeah, so yeah. I think I got. I first heard about you on um, the first one. Like the in, New Nation. The New Nation. Uh-huh. It came on like, like during the afternoon after yes, Bodhi. Yeah. So. And you know, because I remember. Oh, that's that's real talk reloaded after Bodhi. So when when did New Nation come out? That was a few years ago. That was around about 2010. Okay, so yeah, okay, so um, what is it called again? The New Nation. No, the the second. Real talk reloaded. Yeah, real talk reloaded. So I remember hearing you like you know when I was in high school and after time probably like if I got out of school early hearing mm. you after Bodhi because like you know. That, um, that's the station my mom always used to have the um, station switch to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because um, controversy TV, I think I saw a clip on YouTube, just the early days of YouTube. Like yeah. some people might say the dog years of YouTube before people actually understand how to monetize it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, with you and Utah, and I recently went back to search it up and I was like, oh, these, they almost. It was doing all kind of different things. Was so revolutionary back then. What a lot of people are doing now. Mm-hmm. So get into it. Um, did controversy TV sort of lead into the activism, or that was something the vehicle for it? It was. It was really a vehicle. I, I I was displeased with some of the things I saw in our society. When you travel the world and you see how different countries operate and how you have freedom elsewhere and how things just work and you know uh, you don't just do whatever the politicians say you know i wanted to challenge that i wanted to challenge the status quo from back then you know i was like you know you know the pastors can do and say whatever they want and no one challenges them right. and the politicians you know because the media they, they hide behind the cross yes they do and 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 it's like the politicians the media just if you look at the newspapers, it was just this politician say this, this politician say that, this politician replied this and that. And that's, that's the news. There was no investigative reporting, nothing, mm. you know. And, and I was like, that, that can't be. We got to change this. And no one challenged the status quo. So I went to Utah and I said, Utah, I'm going to pay you. I, 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 I want to do a documentary on what's going on in, in our society. I really want to show what's happening. And he was like, documentary? He's like, why don't, you, why don't we do a, a TV show? It's like, TV show? He's like, yeah, we could do this every week. I say, every week? <laughs> and I'm thinking, listen, I am a businessman. I yeah. can be traveling. I don't have time for this, you know, and, and, and I just went. But he convinced me, and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And I said, you know what? Let's call it controversy. Hmm. And he's like, no, let's call it controversy TV. I was like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that's how it was born. You know, we wanted to push the envelope. We realize that you, if, you, you have to get people attention first, you know, and then be able to, you know, let them know what you're about. And, and we decided to, to, to push the envelope. The first show we did was with a Rasta, you know, mm. against a pasta. So we wanted mm. them to be in the head. Mm. People had never seen a Rasta on TV in this country before. They've never interviewed them. No one ever wanted to hear what they had to say. Right. So that alone, I think that was our most popular show on YouTube, you know. Okay. But um, uh, that alone was amazing for people to be able to see a rasta go head to head with a pasta and say, no, 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 this this, this is what I have to say. Bunfire on that. And the, <laughs> them and the way they talk is just so yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and that, was, that was amazing. The next show, uh, we, um, <laughs> we, we decided, well, we got a call, uh, someone saying that they wanted us to follow their boyfriend who was cheating. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so before Cheetahs was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was yeah. just trying to bring the uh, comparison yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And so we decided to do it. And then so after it was done, we literally decided, you know what? We're going to go on the beach and we're going to start seeing who's on the beach. Having yeah, because I remember right. seeing, uh, he, 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 <laughs> I, I shared that. Yeah, he brought that up to, to us in the group chat. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. Yeah. 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 And so, and so we, we did it and literally, listen, Cable, Cable 12, who, who gave us a shot and gave us a chance to do it. And they gave us a shot because... They wanted to do some stuff that gave real information mm. and did real stuff, but the politicians would always yeah, like, and the down. status quo yeah. would always. So they had a show called My Five Cents, and oh, yeah, 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 if yeah. someone asked a question that the politicians didn't like, it would it cause pressure to come down on them. Or if someone gave an answer that they didn't like, so that's how petty we were in those days. So the controversy TV to come out, and I was calling names, and I was mm. I was I was burning fire on the politicians. I didn't care, <laughs> mm. you know. And and so that was so they were able to say, listen, these guys, that's their time slot. We can't tell them what to say, you know. It's freedom of speech, and and so they, to a certain extent, were able to just let us say it, you know. Right. So they didn't have to say it, and um and so 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 that's what we did. So when we showed that that first scene, we literally had people, you know, on the beach, and it was like. You're showing people having sex on the beach. We can't play this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, also, not. it wasn't censored or anything. No, it was, it was showing their face and everything right. when we first sent it. Yeah. And I said, well, they're not actually having sex. You don't see them having sex. You mm, just yeah. you see them in, coming out of the car. Or, yeah. or you, see them, you, you assume what they were doing. Yeah. They're in a compromising <laughs> position. Yeah, so you can't say they're having sex. I mean, the soap operas have more than that. Come on. Right, Come on. right, so, right, right. So when I reworded it for them, they was like, okay. Okay. I but, can see how that could work. But cover their faces, <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, one scene we actually had to recreate because they were like, no, 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 you're not putting this on TV. <laughs> no. No, oh, but I don't care what you do. You know. It sounded I, like there were some important people. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. um, in that scene, we actually had uh, a person who was in the ministry who was out uh, maybe like one, two o'clock in the morning with a girl from his ministry. Mm. Wow. Yeah, he, 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 after, he got, he got arrested. Wow. Uh, but, um, and it was embarrassing, you know, but that was in one of the scenes and it was like, wow. But that's how serious this thing was. Yeah. You know? But, um, um, the next, the next scene, we went to the gay club, you know, <laughs> people are Oh, you talking about the one that was down south? Endangered species. No, it was, uh, <laughs> in, uh, Cable Beach. <laughs> okay. No, because I remember it was some mishap about this gay club on... Michael and they always use our fights. No, out west by Westridge. Okay. You know where uh, Wendy's is by Westridge? Super Valley. Yeah. Mm. The shopping Plaza, right there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, right there. So, there was a gay club there uh, in, that, in that plaza. All right. And listen to me. Uh, they put on a show. They put on a show. I mean, the fella even came on to me while I was interviewing him. And it's like, they, <laughs> <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. When I say they put on a show, they put on a show. Two of the girls kissed and, 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 and oh. whatever. <laughs> and so Bayman's had never seen this. Yeah. But in between all of this, we would have shows that pushed the envelope, and that, that told them to challenge the status quo, and that gave them information that they've never heard before, teaching them their rights. And in between, we would do that. Uh, and that while they were watching for the entertainment, they would get the entertainment mm, at the same yeah, time. Uh-huh. And so that's what we did by empowering people. So that was the whole thing about controversy TV. Mm. And so that's, that's why we did it. Interesting. Because all this, what you're saying, is painting the whole image. And you're somewhat breaking the status quo of what sort of activism looks like. Because a lot of people say, feel like 
activism of the start from a grassroots level, but you came into it or started along with it as an entrepreneur already. So you didn't have, no one was threatening your, I guess, your money, you know, mm-hmm. because you were like, okay, I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. So I call my own shots, sell my own products, provide my own service. So I'm not threatened from someone threatening my livelihood. Yeah, in the middle of, of, of everything we did, I, the, the thing that made our show big wasn't just what they saw on TV. It was that they literally saw me on the streets. They saw yeah. me protesting. So we yeah. fought for the Sea Hall of Victims when they had that big boat crash. And there was a lot of political stuff in the midst of that. Um, they saw me on the streets. And, and I, I got threats. I got, you know, I would have my business in a shopping plaza. They would, the person is connected to the government. They were like, you have to get your business out of my, out of my place. Mm. You know, because, you know, you're making my government look bad. And I'm like, I'm not interested in the government. I'm trying to fight for these people. You know, mm-hmm. no, you're against the government. Get your business out of my place. And, and so I experienced that. I experienced them sending uh, some fellas to the, to the store to kill me one day. Wow. Literally, literally. Um, uh, they tried to set me up and, and tried to kill me. They came with guns, you know, and, and, and what do you call it? Like uh, face covering. Yeah, face covering. And, 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 and they bands. literally came there to kill me and, and watching it, you know, because I saw it in the camera. Mm. What happened, they, whenever, uh, we had different managers and, and so everyone was responsible for a different store in case the alarm went off. And so they knew that if the alarm goes off, I'm going to jump in my car with my gun and I would go there because you'll reach there before the police. Mm. Back then yeah. the police was right. slow. And so I would go there with my gun, show up. And so what they were doing, they were shaking the door. And for some reason, this one time, you know, because I was living on Paradise Island and, and the store was on East Street that I was responsible for. And so when they rung it, I got up. Someone told me to look at the cameras this time. And, and uh, when I say when they rung it, I mean when the, when the alarm company called. Mm. They, they were like, there's, there's alarm going off. We called the police. I said, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the way. All right? And um, so <laughs> I looked at the cameras and I saw that the fellas were shaking the door so the alarm would go off, but they weren't going inside. Mm. They would then run because there was an upstairs part and you couldn't see if someone was upstairs and they would then run upstairs and they were waiting. And I watched them and I saw them do it a couple of times. They just made sure the alarm was going off and they went upstairs. And I was like, wow, these fellas trying to set me up. Mm. Because even if I pulled up in my car with my shotgun, I wouldn't have a good angle to shoot them up there and I would be a sitting yeah. duck, right. yeah. you know? And then I, I called them back and I said, send, send the police because I see some fellas with guns, you know, and mm-hmm. they're trying to set me up. And then we caught them and they, they, they admitted, you know, that, you know. Well, that, that's what they were trying yeah. to do. Yeah, wow. they admitted to it. Because I told them if they admit, I would, I would actually let it go. And they, they admitted wow. and they said, you know, this, you know, have to do with, you know. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that, that, was, <laughs> that was scary, but. I, did, I really didn't give a damn, mm, you know, because mm. I knew that I was doing what was right, right. and so it doesn't matter. Did so, that give you, I'm sorry, did that mm. give you some sort of uh, vindication or empowerment to know that you're doing uh, so much of what you are doing that uh, something like that will come to you? No, it pissed me off. Wow. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, it, it made me know that, that, this, that, that, that what we were doing was right, mm. that we were fighting for some innocent people who were disadvantaged. You know, because of who owned the boats, they were both boats were politically connected to the government, the people in the government. And so that they covered it up. Mm. They told the media not to cover it, you know. And so I had to come in and, and get the country's attention because if the media is told not to go, they're not going to go, mm. you know. Um, and so that's why we went to the House of Assembly and pushed microphones in, in the mouths of the, of the politicians. If you look at the episode, 
that you might it might look normal now, but before that, no one ever did that. Because mm. the law says you, you, you're not supposed to interfere with a, a, a politician on their way to the house. You're not supposed to block them from getting there. So they thought that that meant you couldn't say anything, you couldn't touch them. So that's how, if a politician wanted to duck you, he could duck you and then he could come to the House of Assembly and you can't bother him. Mm-hmm. But when I did that, that made them realize, hold on, we can actually do that. And I told them the right. law. I said, no, yeah. that's talking about blocking them from getting in yeah. so they could go in there and do their like job. That's not talking about stopping them. to talk yeah. to them. Yeah. I said, in the States, they'll pull up on the senator's um, lawn. They'll be on his lawn waiting for him. Right. You know? And I said, in England, the same thing. You know, they'll be in, in, in front of, of number 10 Downey Street, and, and they'll be there with the microphone waiting. And, and, and so when we did that, that changed the game, and it caused them have to come. And likewise, you know, then we went to the Prime Minister, Perry Christie's gate, and we handcuffed yeah, yeah, ourselves. Yeah, I saw that, that clip on YouTube, too. Yeah, that made international news. But now it caused me to realize, hold on, this guy is serious. Uh, let's sit down and negotiate with these people, please. And the negotiation right. started, and then the government changed. I went after Hugh Ingram. I went to his office, and we tore up the place. And, and then, you know, that, that next Monday, you know, he said, listen, I'm going to give people the money. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we don't want this. And, um, and so he gave them a million dollars, and all their medical bills passed, present and future paid. You know, so it was a tough fight, you know, but it only takes courage, you know, these people are afraid of the people, but we have to, to realize our strength. Mm-hmm. That's so impactful because, you know, so like, was, you know, um, hearing about this because how I found out about the Christie incident, because you mentioned it recently when you was live with, um, what's his name? <sighs> the comedian, he was... Um, at the police station with him, and y'all was doing a live outside. Oh, Demetrius. Demetrius. And y'all was outside of Cable Beach Police mm-hmm. Station, and he was like, you know, you asked Perry Christie what I did the last time, and, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and then I saw the clip, and I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was like, yo, I remember this happened and things like that. So, it, like, you know, it was a flashback. So it seemed, you know, oftentimes, too, what takes place is um, not, not everybody is sometimes always impartial. Mm-hmm. With the activism So if it's one government mm-hmm. They'll go against the next government mm-hmm. But it seems that You know Whoever No matter Who's in power mm-hmm. um, You say Okay There's there's some injustice going on Yeah Let's I, go for it I always had this thing Where I, I couldn't stand To see one bullies Remember right. teachers Just remind me that They said you was always A bully killer Like if right. there was a bully You would always beat up the bully And then the bully Would turn into your best friend mm. They would change their ways And, and he said from, from kindergarten to, to, to primary school To high school That was always me I couldn't stand to see people Being taken advantage of That's just me I don't know why God put that in me But I just couldn't stand To see that and so that's what caused me to, to take on these causes. I didn't, you didn't see me around protesting and say, okay, we need lower BC bills or, or, or any, you know, theoretical yeah. things. It was when people were being taken advantage of, you know, I did, again, the fight where they'd broken down the church and then they had, had broken down the people's uh, homes. When the church was broken down, I didn't, I didn't budge. But when someone, they started breaking down the homes in Pinewood, they, someone called me and I saw the house in rubbles and the people crying. I was like, no, no this can't happen. Mm. So I fought for the people. Mm. You know, and that's kind of what I do. And it doesn't matter who's in power. Because like with that see all the thing, the PLP was there first and it was like, Oh, you just against the PLP. Then when Ingram came and I went after him, you know, the media came and they saw him running from me 
and going into his car. And literally, that was the headline in the papers, him literally running. <laughs> and so he had this image of being a pit bull. You're young, so you all might know that. He yeah, had this, yeah. They used to call him the Hugh Biggity in the pit bull. Mm. And to show him running from little old me and, and going wow. into the car, that was a big hit on his image. And, and then that Monday, he called and said, listen, we're going to pay them. <laughs> you know? And so when, when, when I, when I, start, when I uh, go in against him, people said, oh, he must see a, PL, he must see a PLP now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but when I was fighting the PLP, yeah. it's like, oh, that's because he's the F&M. Yeah. And the, thinking so is, the thinking is so constricted that yes. it either has to be on one side. I don't side. pay attention yeah. to that stuff. I, I deal with justice, and that's it. All right. And dealing with justice, we about to get into the Bayman Evolution and mm. his movement and the Sovereign Wealth Fund. Well, is it a fund yet? It, yeah, there is a Sovereign Wealth Fund, but it isn't enacted yet. All right. We about to get to that. That's about to be very interesting on the next side of our little commercial break. So we'll be right back. Hi. This is your favorite zaddy, Lord Jalen Willard from Everything Cool. And this episode is sponsored by... Uh, nobody. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Everything Cool, feel free to email us at theoriginalpeoplenetwork at gmail.com. Or you can slide in our DMs on Instagram at the Original People Network or on Facebook, the Original People Network. Now back to your scheduled programming. I don't know if we should put something over the screen right now. Some gag or something. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just a simple cut. All right. So tell us about what is Bahamas Evolution. Well, uh, Bahamian Evolution is... is, Bahamian Evolution. Right. Yeah. Because he he sent me the link last night. I was uh, Bahamas Evolution. I was uh, like, bro, this link don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these people's website ain't working. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. Bahamian Evolution, uh, we're, we're a group of people that really want to see change in our country. All right. I, I formed it with a, with a group of young ladies who had the same drive that I have. You know, um, you know, there were a couple of young ladies who recently got locked up at a protest on Windsor wow. Park, you know, and, and I was like, wow, this is so inspirational. And they mm-hmm. wanted to go to the next level. And I wasn't really paying attention to that because I was, you know, busy doing other stuff. And their drive, I didn't want to see them, you know, disappointed because no one was really taking this where it needed to go. Everyone was talking it. Mm. Other people were talking about natural resources and they were having conversations about it. They, they were, you yeah, know, it was there. But no one really wanted to take it to the next level. Yeah, you actionably. Know? Yeah, because I've been hearing about this sovereign wealth fund for the last decade and people mm-hmm. keep on bringing it up and then it go mm-hmm. away, bringing it up and go away. So... Yeah, so the, so the thing is action, man. You know, uh, being exposed to other countries and how they do stuff, people take action. Bahamians are too laid back. We just sit and wait for the government to do everything, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so we, we, we decided we want to take this to the next level. And I decided, you know, that we're going to do this. And I, and, and, and I sat down with them and I said, listen, the key, the way you start this is you have to start by informing the people. You have to educate them. They have to know what they uh, are dealing with. If they don't understand it, they're not going to support you. They just don't understand. It's not that they don't want to support. What are they supporting? And so that's why we decided to do documentaries in order to, to show people what has been going on. And let me tell you something. We had no idea that the documentaries was going to have this impact. Mm. We just wanted to do some documentaries. Right. Mm. But uh, the documentaries exploded. And everyone, you know... De- I mean, every segment of society, from the very wealthy to the, to the people in the ghetto, to the older people, to the younger people, are, are talking about this stuff. 
and um, it, 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 it really opened people's eyes. And the first thing we wanted to show people was, was what we have. For years, we've been told that we don't have any natural resources. Mm. This is a lie. While they've been mining our natural resources for 70 years, you know? And so they were telling us, no, there's no natural resources. No, we got to do tourism. We'll make up some beds, you know, um, fold some sheets, and that's what, mm. that's what you all could do. All right? They'll do this for the country. And smile for the tourists now. Yeah, smile <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, good. A little bigger. Yeah, dance, smile. Dance, change, change, change Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dance good. Yeah, get that dance yeah. good. You know, yeah. throw, let them throw coins in the ocean and you go die for yeah. the coin. You know, but uh, natural resources, we don't have none of that while they were making all of the money from it. And so the first thing we wanted to do was show them that we really have natural resources. So as we started investigating, we started to, to see what was going on. And, and I have a lot of skills, you know, based on my police history, uh, investigative skills. Mm. I also have a lot of computer science skills that allows me to, to right. do certain things. And so, so we decided to start looking. <laughs> and so we started to look who is in the Aragonite business? And we started researching every name we hear. We started searching files in the States. They don't have a Freedom of Information Act in the Bahamas. So it makes it very difficult to get any information. Right. And if the government don't give it to you, you're not going to get it. But they're dealing with foreign countries. And the foreign countries have Freedom of Information Act. And so what our previous generation didn't know was that. And this generation, this information age, we're going to go find it. Right. We're used to, you see, what it took pinning them eight years in school to learn, we could learn mm. in eight minutes on the internet, yes. <laughs> you know? And so, and so we had an advantage. So we went, did the research, and we started to see that the same people that had the mining licenses here were opening companies in the States. So the first thing we wanted to know was, why, if you have the company here, why are you opening a company in the States too? Mm. And so... We started to see that they were not just mining here, but they were, were producing stuff and selling it in the States. To themselves. Also. All right? And so they were actually mining the stuff and selling it to themselves. I was like, why are they selling to themselves? That don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we started to realize, hold on. Uh, they are getting this for $2 a ton. Mm. All right? And so we got the documentation. We saw that it was for $2 a ton. And... That's because they convinced the government, oh, well, we're not doing anything with this. We're just going to take it and put it on some beach. And, and so the government put in writing, this is for beach restoration only. But then we wow. saw that they weren't just restoring beaches. They were making products. Mm -hmm. This thing was the, the building block of society. Like, you, this cell phone, yeah. this is sand. Right, <laughs> you know, this right. is sand and aragonite. Right. You know, this, the, the glass on it, the, the chip inside is made from, from the silica. You know, um, 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 this, this case is plastic. And, and every part of this, we're making people billionaires mm -hmm. from our stuff. All right, this entire house is sand. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, they need sand to build houses. They need, sand is the, is the second most used uh, 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 um, material on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, second after water. And they say air and water, but we don't count air. Right. You know, right. so it's the second most used in the, in the, in the, in the universe. And, and it's needed all over the world. And we saw that it was rare. You know, they, all the sand that they could get from, from easily uh, 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 accessible means is gone. Mm. And so now the rest of the sand is going to have to come from under the ocean. And guess who has the most easily accessible right. sand? The shallow waters, Bahamas. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, and so the, the good thing about our sand is because we're the shallow waters and because of how we're made up, our sand is renewable. Mm. The aragonite is renewable. So we have the only renewable natural resource in the world. Mm. 
if you get oil, that's not renewable. If you get gold and diamonds, that's not renewable. No. You know, and so, and so that made it extremely valuable. And we realized how much countries need this and want this and they're hungry for this. And they have stuff called sand wars and they have sand mafias in different countries, you know, where there's literally mafia Man, that's in crazy. Italy and in India. And, and it's like, that's how desperate it is. They smuggle so much sand around the world because they're desperate for it. Countries have banned it because they've lost all their sands and now their countries are disappearing. You know, in the East Indies, whole islands are disappearing underwater because they take all the sand from around it and cause the, the ocean to start taking back. And we have the last and the best sand in the world. And we don't know it. No. And we were just giving it away to these foreigners to take advantage of it while telling our people we don't have any natural resources hmm. while our government was signing these deals with them and giving it away. And so that really shook the country when people realized. And we showed our son being sold on Amazon and being sold on the internet mm. for what, what was equivalent to $7,000 a metric ton. All right? A, a 63, uh, uh, $63 for a 20-pound bag. Mm. You know? And so you got that for $2 a metric ton, and it's on the internet for up to $7,000. I was like, hold on, man. We rich. Mm. And then we got access to, to um, 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 recordings, and we didn't record it. They recorded themselves in, in their meetings where they were talking about uh, how you know, they mined sand in, in Aragonite in the Bahamas and, 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 and the value of it and what you could use it for. And, and uh, you know, this blew us away. They said they, they, have, they have a reserve, them, this company alone, of up to 2 billion tons. My Lord. Hmm. If you got, if you got two billion tons, two, I said billion with a B, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Two billion tons. My Lord. <laughs> My Lord. At, at, at $7,000, at $7,000 a ton, I mean, you're talking about $14 trillion. Right. Just what that company has access to. Our, San, our uh, Bahama banks have 100 billion tons of aragonite, the scientists say. 100 billion tons of aragonite. They've seen the sand yet. <laughs> the sand is more. It's more right. sand than aragonite. Right. So it's just 100 billion tons of aragonite. I mean, the math is crazy. Do your own math. Don't take my math. <laughs> Say you get only $10 a ton. Jesus, Lord. <laughs> 100 billion uh, times 10. I mean, don't stress me. What is a trillion dollars right there? What that is? Yes. It's a lot, right? Yeah. I if mean, only you get $10 uh, a ton, that's a, tr that's a trillion. I want to ask a question. I mean, with you interacting with average payments, do they understand the term natural resource? <laughs> Yes, Bahamians are getting it now. What they didn't understand was the fact that we had it. They didn't... Mm. Un see... Do they know that... Do they look around and see that it's the Bahamas, like, in our face, really? <laughs> People before thought of natural resources as oil, as gold, gold as all this kind of stuff. So when yeah. they told us we have no natural resource, we didn't know. And that's why in part two of right. our documentary... We actually show that the Bahamas does not just have natural resources. The Bahamas is a natural resource. Exactly. Limestone... Yeah is also one of the most used uh, products in the world. They can't build anything without limestone. They need it for cement. Mm. Every piece of dirt that you walk on in the Bahamas is limestone. Mm. The entire Bahamas is limestone. 
And so they've been, I mean, they have cut Grand Bahama in half, they get out lime soon. Yeah. They have cut the southern part of Nassau, and we showed the story of Pinewood Gardens, the true story. People yeah. always thought it was a swamp. Pinewood was never a swamp. That was mm. hills, he just, just like Garden his Hills. <laughs> yeah, it was hills just like Garden Hills. Oh. Right. And there were people who lived there who witnessed it. And so Isaiah Taylor, who was the, the leader of Bahaman, we yeah. interviewed him because he lives there on a hill mm-hmm. in mm. Pinewood because he was there, so they couldn't cut down his house, so they just cut around all around his house. And he lives there on a hill. And there are other houses there that are still on a hill. And we showed them in a documentary, which blew people away. And even people in Pinewood were past that and don't think anything of it, because they just didn't know. And the company that mm-hmm. developed it cut down the hills and sold the limestone. And they made wow. billions. Mm-hmm. They wow. made so much money. They could just go. They didn't have to develop after that. Right. That, that goes to a theory I have as to every time when there's some um, road expansion or new development. I, I always be like, why do they cut down the hills when we have rising sea levels? That don't make no sense. Right. So, yeah. based on what I take from you, are they cutting it, breaking it down, and selling it, and saying, yo, we just need to move this. They're yeah, sending that, it. Right. Yeah, they want you to think that, but they're sending us overseas and making a lot of money. On wow. the documentary, we showed you that the, the, the limestone in your land is more valuable than your land itself. Mm. When you calculate the limestone and the value in the market of your limestone, if you were to take, just go down 10 feet on this, this land right here, mm. and which in Pinewood, they went down more than that, mm. your land is worth more in lime, actual limestone than is actually selling on the market for mm. with your house on it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just want to note that speaking about all this just reminded me of Wakanda. <laughs> yeah, like with yes. the vibranium. Yeah. We, the Bahamas, now that we know, we our Wakanda, aragonite is the vibranium. It is the most needed product in the world. Sand is not renewable, all right? And so now that we have that, in the United States, they're starting to change laws in other countries where you, you can't use the silica sand because of the sand wars. You can only use aragonite sand because on their turfs and, and, and some of the fields that they make, they put the sand under it. Now they're only using aragonite sand, mm. you see? And they're putting that into law now because it's renewable, you see? And so we got everything they need for the new world. We have it. Silicon Valley is worth trillions. All the companies there are combined, trillions of dollars. They're worth more than any country. We're making them billionaires with our products. All right? Uh, 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 Amazon makes more money from, from their cloud service than they make from selling mm-hmm. stuff. All right. Right. The same thing with, with Google and, and Microsoft now makes more from their cloud service than, than, than selling software. Mm. But guess what the cloud needs? It needs servers. And guess what servers are? Our silica to make their chips, wow. to make their boards. We have the building block of society and we didn't know. Listen, we are the new Wakanda. And if we realize who we are, we can change this country and make every single Bahamian a millionaire. That's, that's interesting. Because like now, you know, because we, not just only 2020, before we have faced um, harsh economic times. And I always say this, the first thing that I always get hit is tourism. Every time. Mm-hmm. We, it's this mm-hmm. time and in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, where it was like massive amounts of hotel workers getting mm-hmm. slashed. And I always say, yo, it's time for us to move away from this or whatever. I know tourism is an easy industry to get in and out. And you just give concessions to these companies that come in over five years and develop a whole resort. And then you get a bunch of workers. But 
you just making a bunch of workers, but you ain't making a lot of people like masters of their own destiny. You just saying, all you do, good to do is just go clean a toilet and go make a bed. So, you know, so understanding this information, I find it, you know, quite gratifying that we have a people that their consciousness is now waking up mm. to where it's like, okay, we have our resources to empower ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the next step in actually obtaining this, rectifying mm-hmm. the mistake and error that has been committed for the last 70 years and how we go forward? Mm-hmm. Tourism is actually the worst industry that you could be in. Tourism is a terrible industry. It is the first thing affected by every downturn in the economy. And you have a downturn in the economy every seven to ten years if you study economics. Every seven to ten years is a downturn in the economy. And the first thing that is hit is tourism every single time. Now, look at how many hotels have been built here in the Bahamas. All of them have failed. 99% of them have failed. Mm. All right. Look at how many times the Hilton is uh, the the, the, what do you call it? the British colonial has changed. Right. You know? yeah. And so the building is still there. So we don't notice. But someone comes, take it over, lose all their money. Then someone else comes, take it over, lose all their money. Then someone else comes. Saul Kirshner, that was the big dream. He lost that. He doesn't own that anymore. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Cable Beach Hotel was supposed to be the savior of the Bahamas when that was built. The government ended up having to buy it, you know, in order to save some jobs because it failed. Crystal Palace was supposed to be the next savior of the Bahamas. I mean, it was so beautiful, and then that failed. And, and so tourism is not a good industry, but we're not paying attention because we're just workers. We don't Listen, when you all get together and figure out who owns this, we just come in and make up the beds. Mm. And that was our mentality. So it was going on all around us all this time. We didn't know our worth. Mm. And so the next thing we wanted to show our people was that, that there's a move around the world where, where countries are realizing that the natural resources belong to the people and therefore they should benefit from it. Mm. And so all around the world, this is happening. And the only countries that move from third world to first world with the countries that took their natural resources and then gave benefits to their people, mm-hmm. whether it was just in, 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 uh, breaks on utilities or whatever the cost is, on, on educational costs, medical costs, whatever it was, or checks. There are countries that issue checks. We started to look around, and we saw that even in America, in Alaska, in Alaska, that's in America, you know, they, they give you a check, you know, at the end of the year, every year. You know, I heard someone on the radio was trying to, to, to detract what we were saying, was that, well, Alaska only gives you about $5,000 a year. That's, uh, well, that's, that's more that. than what people Listen make Listen to me. Uh, <laughs> end of the year, Christmas coming, the government fire. giving you five grand. Yeah. That you My did, Lord. That you, that you Who didn't complaining? Have, you didn't have to put actual time into it. Yeah, yeah. Just because... The natural resources is yours, and they're using it. All right. You know? And so Alaska is in a, is in a capitalist state. So, of course, they're going to want to tell me, saying, y'all hold on, and not for these other states that want to do that. Right. Yeah. Give, them, yeah. give them a little something, but don't do what they're doing in the Middle East. And then we started to look at, at Norway and in the Middle East and what they were doing. And, and I mean, the, when we started to look at the advantages, I mean, when you're born in the United Arab Emirates, they open a bank account in your name. You don't have to yeah. do what the government does it. Yeah. When you're born... When you turn 18, they, you get $100,000. Mm. When you're born, you get that, uh, that, that bank account. When you get married, and, and they can marry more than once. Mm. When you get married, <laughs> you get $20,000 and property. Mm. All right? When you die, they bury you. You don't have to raise money for funeral. You don't have to be sitting around. They pay for that funeral. They give you free education in the country. If you want to go outside the country for education, that's paid for too. If you want to go to Harvard or Yale, the government pays for that. They pay for everything, including your airline ticket to get there. 
all your room, your board, your food, everything. This is a difference in mentality. No taxes, mm. no VAT, no sales tax, no nothing. All right? In the Emirates, they're going to initiate a VAT of 5% next year just because of some agreement that, that they had. Mm. You know, they don't want to get left out, so, so they're going to initiate that. But listen to me. Man, listen, if I get in checks for $3,000 a month, man, you could, I pay all the VAT you want. Right. Because that's coming back to me. Mm. Yeah. Whatever goes to the government, we feel it because we don't pay for nothing. No electricity bill, no utilities, no water, no, no nothing. What? Can you imagine that? That's most of the things that cause us to suffer right now. Yeah. And yeah. it's only because they allow their people to benefit. So what happens? Someone says, people will get lazy if you tell them everything is free and they don't have to work for nothing. But what happens in these countries is the opposite. People don't get lazy. They get yeah. more productive. Yeah. Can you imagine? I was a musician, you know? I, y'all, y'all want to do this. Y'all want to do this thing that y'all doing right now that I'm right. sitting on, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if y'all didn't have to worry about, about what you can eat? Right. And, and, help, and helping <laughs> your mommy pay, pay the light bill and, and yeah. pay for the house, pay for the mortgage. Can you imagine if y'all could just do this because y'all getting a check for 100 grand every year? Can you imagine that? Yeah. How, you would be more productive. You know, you don't, you don't have to hustle. You don't have to worry about nothing. Yeah. Can you imagine how much books wasn't written because the, the author had to worry about working? Yeah. You hear J.K. Rowling tell a story. She had to be working and on the job. She's trying to write Harry Potter and getting fired. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much songs wasn't written? And so now that's what's happening in these countries. They have a, they have a renaissance mm. in these countries because you have a people who don't have to worry about that everyday stuff that drives us crazy. You don't have to worry about cookout because Grammy need heart surgery. Mm. Cookout for what? Government got that. That's straight. You know, and this is the thinking that I want to take the Bahamian people on. What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? Right. Nothing. Are you already living in squalor? <laughs> and so this is the change we want. And the change in every society, every revolution was started by you guys, by the young people. Every revolution was started by the young people in history. Because it's the young people who just don't care. The older people are broken and they're like, you know what, we don't want yeah, to in trouble. Yeah. And listen, I old, I can't take no risk right now. If I lose my government contract, I'm in problems. If, if I don't get this crown line, you know, I'm about to die. <laughs> you know, I'm about to have to retire. It's the young people. Because the young people get educated and they're woke. Mm. And right now, the young people are waking up and they're woke. And if this is going to happen, it has to come from you all. You all have to take a responsibility. This is your life, you know. This mm. ain't nothing for the future. You know, this is now. They just took in the last 16 months five, over $5 billion worth of limestone out of this country. And that's at the little, little uh, petty uh, price they put on it. Mm. $5 billion worth of limestone. So it isn't a problem that, that this is something that has to happen in the future. You have to build this up. It's already happening. The only thing that would change is who benefits from it. So when Saul Kirsten lost Atlantis, they didn't close for a day, you know. They didn't close for a minute. They just moved on. That's ownership. Yeah. <laughs> the thing keeps running. Mm. Yeah. They just sold uh, uh, Martin Salt in Anagua again. Just, just, they didn't sell it but five times. Right. Nothing changes. And so this is industries that's already happening. They're already mining. But the problem is just a few people are benefiting. Now we want to change it to where it goes to the Bahamian people. Mm -hmm. And guess what happens? When you open your clothing store, more of us can afford to come in there. But if you open a clothing store and we broke, you could be in trouble in a minute. Mm. Yeah. So it benefits. That's why those countries move up to first world because everyone can support everyone and it's better for the whole society. We got to change this. So on that, Ray, quick. So I want to ask, 
What's the difference? Because some people say, yo, what you're trying to push is somewhat a little bit of socialism. And we have this dichotomy of, okay, we in the West, this capital, we in this capitalist society to where if you ain't trying to mash down someone else and stand on the top, that's the only way you could benefit where socialism is, I'm also spread the world. So what is your take on those varying philosophies as it pertains to the sovereign wealth? I don't call it socialism. I call it sovereigntyism. Mm. Because basically what it is, we're, we're not, we're not uh, talking about a socialist state. We're talking about you benefiting from what you own. Mm. All right? We own that. Think about it. If, 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 if Bill Gates is my daddy and I just inherit certain things, then I just inherit certain things. That's what I own. That's what I'm entitled to. Your birthright. You can't tell me go flip burgers in McDonald's uh, and if I don't do that, I'm lazy. That's what I own. What, however much billions my daddy have, that's what I have. Mm. That's, what I, uh, that's what I own. And so, so, so we have to understand the mentality that we were born in this place. And so they told us that this land is our land. This land is your land. From Grand Bahama down to Inagua, from the Berry Islands across to Maguana, this land was made for you and me. So if this is our land, this is what we're entitled to. We're not talking about socialism. We're talking about ownership. That's a, that's a different story. You're going to still do your own businesses. You can take your money and you can do business. That's what they're doing in those countries. You mm. go do your own business. No one is telling you that, that, you, that your business is going to be for free and yeah. everyone must make the same amount of money. Right. No, go make your money. Whatever you make is what you make. You know, we're not, we're not nationalizing. We're not going to say, oh, Morton Salt, we need to take Morton Salt and crush them. No, I don't believe in socialism. All right? Morton Salt can still operate, but guess what? There are 11 salt ponds, not just Inagua. Yeah, we could, in Agua. Yeah, we can put They could Island. have theirs in Inagua. Hey, we love you all. Stay right there. All right? We could tax you all. Um, but in Long Island, uh, in, in, in Exuma, uh, in Cat Island, uh, we could have our salt ponds too, and we could focus on it. So, what they did in Norway, when they first started, they had no experience in oil, so they let Shell come in, and Shell paid 78%, all right, to the government, and they kept 22%, because it's their things. Mm. It's mine. Now you get the majority and, and give us the minority, like what they're proposing with the oil. Mm. We must get 12.5%, and they get the, the lion's share? Hell no. In, in, in Norway, they got the lion's share. Then PP came in, they did the same thing with them. So Shell didn't have an exclusive. This business buddy, you want to open up in the mall, someone else go open up next door to you. That's your clothing store, there's your clothing store. All right? And so, and so, so when they saw how much money he was making, not Norway said, now that we have the experience, let me go into this too. And so they also went into it. So it's not socialism, it's capitalism. Mm -hmm. All right? But you're capitalizing on the natural resources. And so they went into it and they formed a company called Star Oil and Equinox, which uh, is what just had the land spill in Freeport. Mm -hmm. We store their oil for them. While they're doing this model, instead of us learning from them, we just wanted some jobs from them. But mm -hmm. now we're going to change that. And they just came here, destroyed our ecosystem in, in Grand Bahama. And we did that for some jobs because we're not making anything from that. Mm. We don't benefit not one dollar from them being there. We have to change our thinking, guys. And we have to change the Bahamas together. We have to spread this word. We have to evangelize, which means to move the message. Mm. That's the only way we're going to have a better society. I agree. I totally agree with But, you know... We already come to the end of the show, but um, I think I have one more question. Um, and I think, what do you have coming next? What's the next steps for Ray Court? Well, the next steps for this is that we're going to go from education to action. Mm. 
And as, as you can see, uh, we went out on Wednesday and we decided to change the game. We tabled a bill. See, the politicians aren't used to the people coming at them like this because they know we don't know our rights. Mm. Uh, but maybe that's why God sent me to law school. And maybe that's why I started out as a police officer, because I know certain things. We actually tabled a bill in the House of Assembly to repeal that Aragonite Act that is disadvantaging Bahamian people. That is allowing these foreign companies to just pass that lease on from, from, from foreign company to foreign company without even going to our government. And so we tabled that. To show the Bahamian people, you don't have to wait on government. We run things. Many people never even knew that you could do that. Because only the governing party actually tables bills. The opposition can table bills too. Mm. And so can the independents. And they didn't realize that this can be done. And so now we're aggressively going after them in the courts, with the law, in, their, in the House of Assembly, not theirs, our House of Assembly. And we are going to take action and we're going to change this. And we're not stopping until there's a check with each and every one of your names on it. Each and every one of your names. We're not stopping until that happens. I don't care where we have to go with this. We're not stopping until that happens. When you learn your rights, they can't take advantage of you anymore. The politicians are concerned with one thing, with what's on the tongues of the people. And as long as we keep talking about this, we don't let them distract us and change the subject, mm. they're going to have to bow to our will. Well, that's it. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's a that's powerful how we, finish as well that's how we gonna end it with thank you again for coming on everything cool and we can't wait until we put this up because we think this is about to shake our audience and do some tremendous things but we like thank you again for appearing awesome man thank you for having and me that's it see y'all next time yeah you see.